Welcome to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast, a peek into the minds and strategies of the world's greatest copywriters, marketers, and persuasion experts. And now, here's your host, Brian Cassangina. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Geniuses of Copywriting Podcast. It's a privilege to introduce to you a, a copywriter who um, is, is, you may not have uh, come across this guy, but I've, you've probably come across his work. Um, uh, so I'd like to introduce Stefan Georgie to the call. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's, it's a real pleasure to uh, finally uh, talk face to face with you. So how are you today? I'm good, Brian. Thank you. It's really great to be here. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's my honor to host you because I came across you uh, after being on Justin Goff's list and, and uh, he's another um, uh, copywriter who I've really come across in the last few years, but, uh, but he's really uh, gaining a lot of respect. And, and uh, you did uh, um, some stuff with him at TNC, which we'll get into later, but, but Justin's somebody who um, I've discussed a few times with other copywriters and, so, and that's, that's kind of how I found your work. So um, I know that you've crushed it in a, in a lot of areas, a, a, a lot of online uh, sort of websites and offers and that. So um, let's, let's talk a bit, a bit about that today. Um, so can you start by giving us a bit of a bit of your background and, and uh, where you've come from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started with direct response copywriting in, I guess, 2011. So it's like, to me, it feels like a long time at this point, but yeah. I suppose, you know, compared to some of these guys, I'm still fairly new. Um, and, you know, I'd always enjoyed writing. I'd always been creative. And really, for me, I, I, I've, done, I've told the story of a few times, so do the really long version but basically um my wife is also a copywriter and when i first met her it was at a poker table in las vegas and uh somebody asked her what she did she says i'm a, you know i'm a writer and i wanted to talk with her more so i was like what kind of writer she said i'm a copywriter i was like wow that's really interesting and i grabbed my iphone one or whatever i had and i googled what's a copywriter because i had no idea yeah. <laughs> and so that was my first introduction to copy um and then you know over time though I went and took a job in South Florida with a fortune 500 company doing like an outside sales job. And it was a really good job for a guy in his like early twenties, um, or I guess mid early to mid twenties. But uh, I'd come home after spending all day in the hot Florida sun and I would make like $200 a day, you know, before taxes and all that. And she was like in her pajamas drinking a beer and she'd made a thousand dollars or $2,000 in, in the same day. And so I kind of realized like, wow, like why, my there's there's a better way as an aha moment of wow there's a better way there's something that um i could potentially be yeah. you know doing it and at the time there was definitely the whole um digital nomad kind of that dream in my head of you know we could travel i could be working from the beach i could be yeah. working from coffee shops <laughs> you know and it turns out i have like an office and 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 just come into my office every day i'm not as much of a, a digital and if i travel i bring an extra monitor if i'm if i'm gonna work yeah. while i'm traveling because um well, that's pretty serious yeah. yeah it is but you know it's just it's just uh something where it's not like, you know, some people do it that way, but for me, I, you know, it, it ended up being more mm. stable. And I have, I have a, a bad habit of trying to build really large companies, which can be good or bad, but there's a lot of times where I can overcomplicate things um, where, you know, copy is just, the, the beautiful thing about, about copywriting is you can actually work from anywhere in the world and, um, you know, make a great living doing it. And so uh, I started writing copy. I put a thing on like a warrior forum for warriors for hire. And I think my sales letter offer was like $150 for a sales letter. And, I, um, you know, woke up and had like $300 in my PayPal account and I was like, Oh my God, like, yeah. again, I can make money <laughs> writing. And from there, I, um, you know, the, the abbreviated version would be, I, I just started writing letters for people and, and had some success. And then 
these guys out of Romania hired me for originally survival and I wrote some really nice survival offers for them that did pretty well. And then one of the partners in that business moved over to the health side and asked me to write a health offer, which at the time I'd actually never written health before. And I wrote one, I think the first one was actually was for sure. It was a diabetes one called, I think they called it diabetes protocol or something like that. And ended up just killing it on ClickBank and doing tens and tens of millions of dollars. And um, as soon as it started, they saw kind of the, the success there. They asked me to write more health offers for them and had this whole kind of uh, compensation scheme where the more I produced for them, the more I got compensated. So like if I wrote like four sales letters in a month, I might make like four or $5,000, which sounds crazy, but like, right. But if I wrote 10 sales letters in a month, I could make $70,000, um, which mm -hmm. obviously is a massive difference. And they were going for this blockbuster model of let's put out a bunch of stuff and see what, you know, works and what sticks and everything. And so, uh, throughout that time, I, I, I found a kind of a process for writing good copy very quickly. And cause you have to, if you write 10 sales letters in a month, right. You've, you've got to, I mean, it's absurd. And, not really sustainable, yeah. but I, I, I did that. that don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, it was not, not super, you know, sustainable, but I did for several months and, and a bunch of them just became these massive, uh, you know, kind of controls. And this is probably 20, I guess like 13, 14 into 15. And they basically at one point on ClickBank for the top 10 offers on ClickBank, like nine of them I had written. Um, and then, you know, eventually got kicked off ClickBank because they're aggressive health offers and they moved to software projects <laughs> and, uh, you know, had success there. And so, did that, uh, and then in 2015, decided to start my own health supplement company, which I did, called Holy Land Health, which uh, first year kind of struggled, not because of the copy, but just because it's goes from going from writing copy to running an entire supplement company, there's challenges. Yeah. And so, you know, we grossed like a million bucks in the first year, but lost a bunch of money. Um, but then the second year, you know, figured it out, scaled it with affiliates and got it to, you know, 20 million plus in revenue. And um which was great. And then at the same time, started launching other health supplement offers with other partners because I feel like I really had this sort of model and template down and just had a bunch of uh, winners there. And today uh, I mostly, um, yeah, I write some copy for, for clients, kind of not pretty kind of high end stuff. Like I'm, I, you know, I'm generally not for hire, but for the right partners. Um, mm -hmm. And I have a, a product or a program called copy accelerator with Justin Goff where we're training and teaching people how to write copy. I'm sharing my method and processes. And I have a consulting company that kind of does um, a little bit more of a done for you approach for, for some of our clients. But to be completely honest, I'm sort of getting away from that because it's a headache having to do all of that aspects of funnel building when I can just write copy. So my main focus is, is really yeah. just on writing copy and teaching and training uh, people to write copy. Hmm. So you've had, you've had an amazing track record, a lot of success in, in some of these niches that you've been in. Um, I mean, some of your ClickBank uh, uh, results um, uh, uh, you know, just amazing. And uh, so you, you don't meet too many of these people soon. It's people like Rob Weiser, who's a friend of mine who has crushed it for a long time and, and yeah. you as well. But um, uh, you mentioned uh, something, you mentioned about the, the speed of copywriting because when we, when we sit down to, to do a project, you know, if I quote somebody for uh, a sales page, you know, I'm going to be quoting them uh, an absolute minimum of two weeks uh, if I know that subject uh, inside out and there's very little research to be done. You know, more like three to four in most cases. <laughs> That's probably why I've uh, uh, wrote a lot more emails than I do sales pages <laughs> and I try and steer, steer away from those things. Uh, I like writing emails. Uh, um, when I uh, write emails, I find that I can write uh, a similar number of words a lot, a lot faster. Um, and I don't know why that is. So. Um, <laughs> 
I'm interested in in uh, in your viewpoint on this. Uh, how do you write so fast? Sure. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it goes down to the the process, which is the again the RMBC method. Or not again. I don't know if I really brought it up yet, but that stands for research mechanism brief and copy. And so it's something I I kind of uh, created over time working with those the information publishers in Romania and, and having to do so much volume and scale and I'll get into that in a second but by the way I, I still quote people like eight weeks um but then yeah, yeah. you know I'm like the prototypical copywriter where uh you know I'm dicking around for a couple of weeks and then get after it and I'm, I'm working on being even faster with my turnaround times but yeah no, I, so still even to in the last month I've written two sales letters that both have gone incredible feedback both have been one was like maybe 6,000 words one was like 12,000 I cut down to 10,000 but both of those I, I did write them in a week and which is also as a as a note before I get into the process if you're a copywriter and you can do that like I don't know if I really want to but real given that I charge like 50 to 100,000 dollars just write a sales letter per person which I do mm -hmm. right if I can write yeah. one and if I can write one a week right that means like right there I can make 200 to 400,000 dollars a month like just writing sales copy and the actual hours of yeah. it. I, I timed myself for the one I did that was um, 12,000 words cut down to 10,000 words. And so, you know, from start to finish, I, I even recorded myself doing it and then I'm including it as a bonus for my copy accelerator people where they can check it out. Um, but it was 17 hours. So actually, right. In theory, I could write two a week, which is, and I've done this in yeah. the past with, with <laughs> these guys. So then you're like, all right, wow. So charge 50,000. So again, you know, if you're doing 50,000 and you do two a week, that's a hundred thousand a week, four hundred thousand. If you charge a hundred thousand dollars per, that's eight hundred thousand. I mean, it's crazy how much you can make just from writing. Mm -hmm. uh, however, of course, do you want to write that much? Do you want to, you know, and not only that, but but having something on the back end royalties, so you're writing fewer offers, but you're making potentially more money. There's factors like that yeah. in play. But it's interesting from a copy perspective. Um, yeah, uh, sorry, yeah. yeah, go ahead. If you had something to say, no, sorry. Well, you were going to ask something. No, I was going to go into the RMBC <laughs> thing, but I didn't want to, to yeah, you know, yeah. um, cut you off. No, that's fine. Cause, yeah, because I've uh, um, heard your RMBC uh, thing before, but I like to um, you know, get dive deeper into into that for sure, uh, especially for the listeners out there. Um, but back on the speed of on the speed of writing, that's that's very interesting to me because um, uh, you know I don't know if, if you do this, but uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't. Um, in uh, my own business, it's my personal preference is not to, uh, you know, uh, set that expectation of such uh, fast writing with a client, you know, because, uh, you know, uh, th things can happen and, and uh, things can get derailed and uh, you know, creative process as well. Um, so like if uh, um, I've never timed myself um, uh, writing, a, writing a sales page, so I love the scientific way that you've gone about that. Um, but, um, uh, um, you know, if I, if I, if I sit down and write the thing, it probably, um, that takes me, a, uh, you know, a week or so of time, you know, working every day, I don't know how many hours, probably more than yours, but, um, do you, uh, do you set that expectation with, with a client that, that you'll be working on their stuff really quickly or do you, um, uh, do you uh, sort of add more time in to, to get started? I mean, you mentioned that, that you, you stuff around for a week or two and procrastinate. To, uh, think, and I'm the biggest one, uh, biggest uh, guilty offender of that uh, too, for sure. So how do you, how do you uh, communicate that to the client? Yeah, I typically, <laughs> and that's the danger of, as I'm, I'm becoming more public where I'm doing podcasts and talking about my speed, 
is when I take on clients, my, my fear is that they'll have that expectation. But again, I typically will tell them eight weeks. Uh, so like two months mm-hmm. and I, cause I'd rather do that and then know that I can basically meet it or, you know, in the worst case scenario, if I'm an extra week late, yeah. nobody really ever cares about nine weeks, but I'd rather do that. And then if I happen to just blast through it faster, then, you know, mm-hmm. they're happy yeah, and I'm happy, yeah. but nobody really complains about eight weeks because that's pretty typical. And, you know, being on the other side of it, I've had times where I've hired copywriters for my agency, uh, like freelancers and, and tried to test them out because again, even though I can write all this copy, there's been times where it's like, well, I don't want to have to be the bottleneck. I'd like to find other good copywriters yeah, and yeah. pretty much without fail, you know, they'll tell you whatever time they tell you, it's usually like an extra month. Or, I mean, it's at least yeah, a couple yeah. of weeks. <laughs> uh, just today I was looking at that for, um, an offer that we have on the agency side where it's, it's doing well. The, the writer did a very good job. Um, but you know, I was looking back through the original conversation and he was like, I'm going to have a see you in two weeks. And I was like, great. And then you just see me following up week after week after week to the point where, you know, in my head, I'm like, am I ever actually going to get this or did this guy just steal the money? Yeah. Uh, and he did yeah. ultimately deliver. And again, he, he did a good job with it, but um, so I'd rather set the expectation that it's going to take a long time. And, and then if I happen to, over deliver mm, you know mm. that's better than than kind of telling them really fast and, and then they're getting pissed and anxious yeah yeah because that, that's the other way around that you don't want it um do you feel that the client um from a psychological point of view would would value what you do less if you um sat down and, and did it in a week and delivered in a week um yeah. do you feel that uh, yeah yeah because that, that, that's a feeling that i get as well um you know, that they should be happy. You know, they should be uh, a lot happier if you, if you deliver the same product fast, but they're just not going to value uh, it because, you know, they think that uh, the, that you uh, copied down the uh, um, 21-step sales letter uh, template and changed uh, 15 words on the page and then, and then submitted that. Right, which is, which is funny and ironic because I, do, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I do feel that way. But there's times, so for example, of a, a beat-your-control type situation where they have a control... And like in theory, I could go in and, you know, make several small tweaks and take like three hours. And if it beats their control, that's what they've hired me for. And that was what the goal yeah. was. And yet I feel like if you do that, you know, and they paid you a lot of money for it, they would feel sort of robbed or cheated or concerned or whatever it yeah. is. But again, it's, it's funny because all that really should matter in copy is the results. Like, does, exactly, does yeah. my, do my actions bring you better results than what you already had? And, um, so yeah, it's a funny psychological, you know, psychological human nature thing. Mm, and so, mm, mm. yeah, spreading it, spreading it out more does actually help from that, that <laughs> perspective. Yeah. And I think, uh, um, any, any clients who would be listening to this would appreciate the fact that you, uh, uh, allow for, you know, um, you know, you know, when shit happens, you know, because it happens to everyone and, and they, you're allowing for extra time for, you know, to make this a proper project instead of just whipping something up. Um, yeah. So I don't think I don't think you've got any, any worries there, um, but let's go let's go on to the RMBC method because uh, um, uh, I was really interested to dive deep into that. And that is that the formula that you've got that's at, at the at the heart of what what you've, the results you've gotten. Yeah, exactly. It is. Um, so yeah, so RMBC it's it's research mechanism, brief and copy, and the reason it's so valuable. I'll, I'll go into each in more detail. The reason it's yeah. so valuable is because it really breaks the, especially on long form, it breaks the, the copywriting process into these very modular chunks that then make the entire task of writing a sales letter 
much less daunting. So with research, it is what it sounds like, it's research, but you're answering a bunch of questions, a bunch of research questions. So everything yeah. from as specific or as, as, as general, um, you know, as who's your target market? Like what age are they, right? Everything, we're all doing that. Uh, but then we're also looking at things like, um, what are their like hopes and dreams? Like what are their biggest fears? What are they, what outside forces do they believe have stopped them from living the life that they want to live? you know, what, um, like sum up their, their entire view, like their real view about life, love, um, family, everything in one to three senses. So there's a bunch of just really getting deeper into their skin. Um, oh, what are their, this is a huge one um, for me, which is what are their victories and failures? Uh, I, mm. I love looking at that. And then where I get the answer for most of these questions, by the way, there, there's several places, but one of them is going to be uh, forums, which I, I love forums because you'll see yeah. both. You'll see people who are talking about success they've had in a certain area and you'll see people who are struggling and failing and trying to understand why they're failing. Um, and then, you know, you, you just get so much gold from that. So, you know, whether it's like a keto forum or a uh, financial forum and day trading forum, it could be a self-defense forum. I mean, there's forums for everything. And then once I'm there, I'm, I'm sorting by uh, the most views and comments because I want to see what the market is both looking yeah. at. So if there's a subject that has a ton of views or, or, or a forum posting that has a, a ton of views, but not a ton of comments, that can still be valuable because you're like, maybe that's a good subject line almost, right? Or a good hook you can put in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the comments you are like, wow, this is a real trigger for the market because people want to talk. They want to share their thoughts and feelings about it and everything. So I'm going through all of that and I'm writing it down. I'm answering these questions. And then I'm going and um, looking at, you know, the existing solutions. What, what, what exists right now? What does the market like about it? What does the market not like about those existing solutions? What has their experience been like? And you'll get some of that from forums. Obviously, I'll, I'll go to Amazon and then I'll just sort it by five-star rev like reviews and one-star reviews. And I don't care about anything in between. So I'll go to the five-star reviews and see what people were saying they love about a product um, or a guide or whatever. And I'll go to the one-star reviews and see what do they hate about this, you know, same product or guide, because that's going to help me to, you know, highlight those things that the market is liking when we're selling our products, but also address yeah. objections about, hey, you've had a, a poor experience with these things in the past. Um, and then in addition to that, a few other things I look at would be any kind of conspiratorial uh, aspects that might be there. So, for example, you look at you know, big energy or big pharma or, you know, beliefs that, maybe an existing solution was found, you know, previous to 1960, but big pharma yeah. squashed it or big energy squashed. Tesla knew yeah. how to get free energy in you know, 1900 and Edison and, and General Electric squashed it. So I want to find that kind of stuff for corruption and conspiracies because I want to see that's really powerful and interesting as well. So, you know, and you can look at that and, and find these kind of people love when, when these lost solutions are rediscovered. And so whether that's, you know, keto, this guy named William Banting, wrote a book about like on human corpulence in like 1863 or something. And it basically was like the keto diet in 1863. So I haven't actually used that in the hook for a keto offer yet, but I, I found it through my research. And then it's like, that's really interesting because you can talk about, Hey, you know, keto for weight loss has actually been known since 1863. Why has it only become popular in the last 10 years? Well, the powers yeah, that these 150 year old solution. Yeah. Could change yeah. Your body, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, right? Because people like that. And there's also always a, um, like a paradise lost kind of thing that people respond very well to where, you know, mm. people like to think that life was simpler, easier, better. 
pure back, you know, in the 50s or whatever it was in the old days. And now there's been this corruption and now things are all terrible, which of course is true and not true because everyone had problems in 1950 and 1930 (laughs) and 18, you know, Um, but there's, there's some kind of myth mythology there that people respond well to. So that's the research component. And I move to the mechanism component. Do you have any questions on the research component before I do that though? Um, only one one across your mind is: Do you have uh, uh, do you value uh, this kind of in, information engagement on Facebook groups, or do you prefer forums and and non Facebook sort of things? Uh, I prefer both for sure. I, I do look at Facebook groups as well, and it's going to depend on a couple of things. I mean, th- there's times where I find a forum that's just so loaded that I, I feel like I don't really need to go to the Facebook group. So being a lazy copywriter, I may not. Yeah. If I feel like I'm getting some good stuff on forums, but it just feels incomplete, or I feel like I really don't fully understand the market's psychology yet, then I'll definitely turn to Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but cool. yeah, and even like YouTube, like I used to go to YouTube a lot and read the comments in YouTube, but which I do sometimes, but but there's so many troll and kind of stupid comments on YouTube yeah, as well. I don't really like YouTube comments. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like not that helpful. Um, but Facebook definitely, yeah, I, I do still go for sure. And, and also like news sites, right? If you're writing to conservatives and you go to Breitbart and read the comments, I mean, it's full of kind of angry vitriol for the most part, but at the yeah. same time, if that's your market, you want to kind of know how are they talking? How are they mm-hmm. thinking? How are they feeling? Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. So cool. So then we go to the mechanism, which is going to be your unique mechanism behind the problem and your unique mechanism behind the solution. So the most important thing there is like, I I certainly didn't come up with the idea of a unique mechanism, but I think it's really important that you bifurcate or that you split the two, because I think what happens is a lot of people try to explain what makes the product unique, but they don't explain kind of like a surprising reason behind the problem you've had. So, you know, using the easy example of weight loss, it's like, if you're like, well, you've tried diets and you failed because most health marketers want you to fail so you keep buying their products and it's like okay yeah cool i guess but if you can find this really unique reason like there's trying to think of how i've got a couple of really good examples but they're they're involved in active projects but so i don't want to give them away but um yeah yeah, don't go (laughs) i won't give it away but but if you find a unique reason why you haven't been able to lose weight and i mean you know i guess older examples would have been i mean back in the day it was like the idea that um you know, carbs cause weight gain and carbs cause you to be fat. Now everybody knows that, but there was a point when the Atkins diet came out where that was fairly revolutionary. And so yeah. that was a shift because like the reason you haven't been able to lose weight is because carbs are actually making you fat. And by eliminating carbs, you can then actually lose the weight that you've wanted to lose. And so now everybody knows that, but there was a time where that was a surprising, unique mechanism behind the problem mm-hmm. that carbs are bad. Or, you know, it might be People have talked about like brown fat, which there's like white fat and brown fat, or there's a deep yeah. fat, right? Which I think deep fat's a, I don't know if it's a golden hippo one or who has it, but the idea of that there's, there's regular fat in your stomach, but then there's this deeper fat and that unless this deep fat is kind of activated and burned, then you can never get rid of your like uh, shallow fat. You know, I'm kind of making up terminology, yeah. but, but something like that, because, you know, people have failed. They've tried a lot of different solutions in the past. So they need to understand if you can show them, here's why you failed. Because this is the real, you knew 98% of the problem you understood, but here's the 2% you were missing. So it's got to be simple mm-hmm. enough that they can grasp onto it and have like that light bulb, that light switch kind of go off where they, they have that aha moment of, wow, okay, so it's just that little tweak, that little thing I didn't understand. So 
that's where the unique mechanism behind the problem is so important. And then logically, you can then connect that to the unique mechanism behind the solution, right? Because you're like, okay, so if deep fat is being stored in most weight loss programs or supplements or diets don't target deep fat, then the solution is to target deep fat, right? I mean, it's a very simple, logical kind of connection, but, it, but the unique uh, mechanism of the solution only will fully make sense once they've accepted and understand the unique mechanism of the problem. Um, and so, and then you can go into more detail and be like, so how do you destroy deep fat? Well, your body contains blah, blah, blah. And, and by taking these ingredients, activate, you know, some enzyme or whatever your solution is and, and go from there. But there's that logical connection between those two things. And so that's super crucial. Um, I think a lot of people are afraid, like for my copy accelerator program I'm doing, I'm actually talking about mechanisms tomorrow. I think people get afraid of them because they don't want to do research or they're afraid of over explaining things or sounding too scientific. And those are all concerns. I think one of the challenges with that, especially in a health offer, is wanting to make sure that you are being really conversational and really dumbing it down um, and sounding like excited, like enthusiastic. Like I think some people yeah. aren't, a lot of copywriters aren't science people, like right, they're creatives and that's what's going on. So then when they have to explain science, they feel like they're reporting like a school report and that's how they feel, but then it's reflected in their copy and then your eyes glaze over and it's boring and it sucks. But if you can be like, oh my God, this is the most exciting discovery ever. This is like, you know, uh, Columbus, you know, discovering North America in 1492. This is like, you know, Newton discovering the laws of gravity. This is like so important. This is going to change everything. And you can have that excitement and then convey that through your writing with the mechanism. Then I, the market tends to stick with you. And they're going to be really true believers because once they believe that they, they, you, they really believe that they failed for a reason other than what they understood before. And then they really believe that there is a way to actually fix that. They're just more likely to buy the solution as long as your solution is tied in or your product is tied in to the solution you've presented. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, and so where do I figure out, how do I figure that out? I guess is one question, right? How do I figure out the unique mechanism that comes yeah, back to yeah, research? It is a big question. Um, you know, there's a couple of different places that, you know, through the research uh, phase that I go through, so R and RMBC, I'll, you'll sometimes find the kernel of the unique mechanism. If you're looking at, you know, articles and blogs and forums and people, you'll, you'll end up finding interesting things or beliefs or some, you know, people may be like, oh, and we all know that this is the real reason why. And, and then if, if I see something like that there, that's great. And I'll take in our research more. Um, or, you know, I'll just sort of, use Google a lot as funny as it sounds and I'll Google like, um, like, uh, or, you know, I mean, for, for health, I'll go to like uh, sciencedaily.com a ton. I don't know if you've yeah. ever been there, but it's, um, you know, all these new discoveries all the time. So they're constantly sharing new discoveries and it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, in the same month you might have 20 different, you know, causes of diabetes have been discovered. Yeah, yeah. So they're all kind of conflicting and different, uh, yeah. but they just report it all, but it's actually a treasure trove for finding, you know, mechanisms but even, mm. um, you know, it doesn't have to be like, if, if you're doing like dating, uh, with dating stuff too, I think you can also take like existing principles and then just add in like, um, like call it something new. Right. So I, like, uh, if there's, um, what's a good example? I mean, just if it's something about sort of pre-framing or, um, you know, kind of, um, I forget the, the, the terminology for it, basically kind of subtly, uh, getting a woman to be interested in you without her realizing it. Right. You can sort of call it like, um, you know, I don't know, sexual embedment, right? And so yeah, there's times yeah. like that where you can then take like existing concepts, put a cool name on them, 
and then make it sound like a discovery when it's not. So that's another way that you can do it. Um, and, yeah. But yeah. I was going to ask, you know, what, what happens when you um, uh, come across a product that, or something that you're writing for that um, you just can't find any, uh, any unique uh, mechanism or, or even, um, you know, anything, any kind of hook about it. Okay, uh, that's a problem we, we all come up against. Um, you know, sometimes it's just hard to find. Sometimes the product doesn't have one at all. Yeah, I mean, if it's like really, it would depend. I mean, I'm generally personally trying not to ever do something for those products. Um, True. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can. Like, I mean, so like probiotics, like I really don't ever want to write another probiotic sales letter as long as I live. Um, just because it's like kind of that way, right? It's like, um, your butt, your, God, your butt, your gut is filled with, you know, kind of, um, bacteria and it can be good or bad. And when the balance of bad bacteria becomes greater than the balance of good bacteria, it causes what's called dysbiosis and you get like, um, you know, you're bloated and gassy and it affects your health in all these ways. Mm. But I do think actually you can almost always find one, uh, you know, if you're selling like staples, then that might be tough, right? But even yeah, then, yeah, ideally, you're sure. finding some technology. But if you're if you're doing anything at all unique, like I think you know, if it's your product and you don't have anything like that, then why the fuck are you selling that? Unless you're on Amazon yeah, and you right, just yeah. you yeah. rank like like I know guys who make millions of dollars a month just selling like um, like nuts, bolts, screws, you know, really boring stuff on Amazon. And so in that case, yeah. like great. And then you really are. It's very um kind of like a feature driven and it's sort of like you know made with industrial like steel made in America made in a high quality thing, like whatever you can still do stuff. But, um, but generally I think you can, I mean, even with, with, with Hoyland health and I had a blood sugar supplement called HL 12. And I mean, honestly, it was like the stock formulation that everybody can get for blood sugar. So I've been around for forever, but I basically found a way to tie those ingredients to the Bible because for example, it has mm. guggle, which is also known as muckle myrrh. So, okay. Myrrh. Great. The, you know, three wise yeah. men. Yeah, um, wise men. Yeah. Yeah. And yet another one that came from like the Bucharese, like um, family of plants, which also includes uh, like um, frankincense. So, oh, okay, great, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. And then like, how do you yeah. do gold? What I did actually is it had a bunch of essential minerals and elements in it. I looked at the periodic table and basically a lot of them came in this one section of the periodic table that was like a burnt orange, brown, almost gold. So I was like, these yeah. are the golden elements from the periodic table. And start putting yeah. these in as well. So now you've got your frankincense, um, you know, gold and myrrh, and tying that all together, and then, you know, just quoting scripture, and and so you know the the thing, and then that thing, you know, was doing million bucks plus a month for for you know sustained period of time over a year, a couple like a year and a half, um, two years even. But right, so all I did is I took something that anybody could have sold, and I just sold it in a different way. So in that in that sort of situation as well, you can um, sometimes a story can can a really st strong discovery story can substitute for um, the unique mechanism, right? So you can, that would be the one way to maybe get around it if there's not a unique mechanism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's the thing, it's, a, it's about selling the story rather than, rather than the thing, you know, so that's it, that's where you get around it. And that's really interesting how, how all those examples that you gave are really valuable. Cool, yeah, for sure. Definitely, and, and that's one thing to note, like the mechanism is super important, but you're doing that after the lead and the background story and stuff like that. So you're mm. not, you'd, you'd want to hint at a unique mechanism in the lead, right? You'd want to hint at some surprising discovery uh, or, you know, a contrarian thing, like why, 
you know, yeah, you thought yeah. that why well, XYZ don't actually help you to accomplish this, but this little known surprising thing does. Uh, but one mistake I'll actually see a lot of copywriters make is trying to explain the mechanism in the lead of the copy. They start going into, you know, science too much. And yeah, yeah. it's just like not the place for it. Because all you're trying to do is, as you know, you know, and most of us good copywriters know is get someone who read or watched the first line to now do the second one and the third one and the fourth yeah, one. I mean, so on, so all on. you're trying to do. And so uh, that's just a huge mistake people make is trying to explain the mechanism too much. Or yeah. I have seen copywriters who have I've, I've trained on the unique mechanism and who have written better copy, but then they start obsessing too much over it to the point where it's like 4,000 words of science. And you're like, dude, like you just <laughs> don't need that much either. Right. You, you, it needs to be enough to convince them um, and to be credible, but you don't need to like, it's not a science textbook. So there is a, a fine line there and it, it's worth kind of, you know, pointing that out for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a good point yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, after research and the mechanism, which is divided into the unique mechanism of the problem and the solution, mm. we're going to the brief, which for me, it's really just my, my questionnaire, but I'm not sending that to a client. Uh, and like, I like to talk of clients if they have existing resources, that's great. Um, but mm. I'm never one of those copywriters who's sending out a questionnaire where it's kind of like, hey, give me all your research, give me everything you have. It, you know, they'll let you know if they have the research and they give it to you, that can be very beneficial and helpful. But I don't really want that much from them. I want to know, I want to do that on my own because I'm going to write better copy. Uh, so again, yeah. I, I, you know, depending on the sophistication of the client, they may have a ton of data and analytics and they've tested angles. So I do want to know all of that. And so I'll ask them if they have that kind of stuff. But again, I'm not really sending them this questionnaire of, of, of sort of things because I don't want their research because that might not tie into my, I might find better research than they, they have. Mm. Um, and so my brief is sort of this questionnaire, but the nice thing is you're applying components of, of the research part and the mechanism part into the brief. So, right. The first question is kind of like, you know, who's the target market, like describe the target market, which you have from research. And then you're looking at, you know, what are their major short-term and long-term pain points? And you've got that from your research as well. So you're plugging that right in. Uh, you're looking at you know, what's the big promise that you're going to make them uh, about how to reverse those pain points. So, right, if these are their pain points, what are you telling them that's going to make those those pain points or that pain point go away? And you're writing that out, which is important yeah. because now you have your big promise for your sales copy and for the product. Uh, we're looking at existing solutions. What have they tried in the past? You know, why didn't they work? Which is, again, from the research component. We're looking at, you know, what's the surprising reason why what's the surprising solution what's you know why did they fail 99 percent of the time and why is this different and so now you have your mechanism and you're plugging that right into it uh a few other unique things you have are uh you know like metaphors like i like to write write out some metaphors in my brief and i'll usually get those through research and the mechanism part i've got ideas turning in my head as you as you read sometimes people just share great metaphors for you um during the research component or you know you can you come up with them, but I think those are very important because obviously people it's easy to understand through metaphors. Like if, if you're talking about you know the, like the, a bucket with a hole in it or whatever it is, I mean there's just you know simple things that make it easier to understand. Um, paradoxical questions, which I've I've talked about a lot, which I really love. This is something that Dan Reutman you know did in the Pimsleur approach, um, and a lot of other people do it too. But but basically this question of you know 
this seems obvious, but that people don't have a great answer to. So with Pimsleur, it was like, why is it that it's so easy for a child to learn multiple languages, but it's so hard for an adult to learn, right? So yeah, yeah. that's one that you stop and you think about and you're like, why is that? And then, you know, the answer, this ties into the mechanism as well, because kids, uh, you know, learn in this really innate, natural way, but adults are taught in these sort of course, like curriculum type ways that just aren't in tune with how we naturally learn languages. And so our product is gonna show you how to learn like a child learns, which is way easier. So mm. it's a simple question, but it sets up so much because once you have that, you know, you understand why you haven't been able to learn a language before, you understand how this is different. There's a proof element because nobody can argue with the fact that a child learns language very easily. And you know, you always hear stories about yeah. the kid has got a nanny, so he speaks like, you know, English and Spanish at the age of four or whatever it is. Mm. Um, and so I love trying to find paradoxical questions there. And it can be as simple as, you know, why are, it should be something that people know is true though, right? So if people are like, that's what we say people make with the paradoxical question is, is, is it can be like, um, you know, how, like, like I know that 95% of my cholesterol is formed of this like compound. So why is it that this compound's not, you know, um, being treated for my high, or why are, we, why are we not attacking this compound for my high cholesterol? But yeah, yeah. people like, don't know that, right? Nobody knows about whatever that compound is. You know, it's a random example I'm making up. Yeah, but it should yeah. be something that's obvious. Like, um, why do the, you know, whatever, why do the Japanese live longer than everybody else, right? Why the French paradox is a really famous one. Why are why the French able to- get cancer. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, why should I, that's a great one. Um, yeah, I love it. So exactly, stuff like that. Or uh, yeah, just so many of them. Why don't dogs get diabetes? Uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, Mm, mm. yeah love stuff like that and so i'm trying to think about those in the context of my copy uh i'm looking at the the background story which normally i either depending on the client and what's happening there i've usually already know that just from talking with the client and finding out you know what the story is and then through the research and the mechanism especially i'm finding out the story of the discovery uh because i'm tying it into the the scientific kind of discoveries if it's a health thing or you know, the unique mechanism, which is sort of going to be part of the story, like, um, but it's always kind of the same, right? Like, um, well, there's a couple of versions, actually, I guess. There's like, I was in pain, I was struggling, um, I had some, some uh, trigger event that sort of, you know, set me off on this journey of realizing I have to change. And so I looked for solutions, out-of-the-box solutions didn't work, uh, but I found like a, you know, solution that seems like it would work, and I had a trial and error period. And at first it wasn't great and then it was and, and then I ultimately had to sell this product to the public because other people, you know, weren't doing it. Um, you know, maybe a story like that or it can be the health expert who is recounting the story of somebody they know who had that struggle or an investment, you know, expert who's talking about how he sees all these people who keep getting played by the stock market and he realized that he has to like come in and teach people how to do it. And maybe it comes to head when some woman he knows like loses her house because she makes bad investments. Uh, but you know, the story is pretty similar, but I'm writing that out in the sales copy or in the brief. And then the product itself, the product description, I'm writing that out as well. And I'm trying to get pretty specific. I'd rather write out almost like if it was going to be in the copy to write it in the brief like that. So, uh, you know, what it is, what are, the features and benefits, of course, fascinations for it, if fascinations are applicable. So, you know, um, especially on info products or, or eBooks, fascinations are generally so important. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, I that. yeah, I love, I, me too, I love fascinations. <laughs> that was one of the things, I think one of the single things, and I guess this would be good advice for 
uh, you know, if there's copywriters who watch this who are earlier on in their journey, uh, one of the single fastest ways to write better copy is to study fascinations and, and just practice them a lot and then start adding them to your copy. And, you know, you can put them, I, I generally put them most often in the lead. And then when talking about the product, um, you know, you can figure out how to work them into other parts of the copy too. But yeah, yeah, for sure. For me, but yeah. Uh, and then other than that, I'm just looking at maybe if there's any, um, oh, headline ideas, because by the time I've written the brief, I'll be like, do I have any ideas for what the headline could be? And, um, you know, if, if I'm coming up with upsells for the client, which I really prefer not to do, but I've had to in the past yeah. and mm -hmm. stuff, um, you know, I'm right, right, logical upsell ideas. And they are a logical connection, right? Because that, that's another thing that's super important. It's like either sell more of the same thing or sell something that's really clearly connected. Like if you're yeah. doing, you know, something for, you know, even if it's one way to lose weight and the first upsell is how to increase your metabolism even more, which I guess is more of the same thing to an extent. But, um, you know, or, or if, you know, you're cleaning your gut, but now that you've cleaned your gut, you need to put something back in it. So now buy this probiotic. So step one is a gut cleanse and upsell one is like a probiotic, you know, mixture or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we yeah. buy a marketing course and, and the upsell is a traffic course. Exactly. Right. That's, that's great. Like, Hey, now you're going to know how to market, but what, you know, yeah. what does it matter how great your funnels are if nobody sees them? Exactly. Such right. a, yeah, totally. Um, okay. So our, that's RMB. And then C is just going to be copy. And for that, you know, I have a pretty standard outline, um, which I'll, sh you know, I'm going to let your, your viewers or listeners um, kind of get for free. I can show that now or later yeah. or whatever, but um, basically at that point, we're just taking and plugging in um, everything from the brief into the copy, right? So you're looking at the lead, which has, it's kind of like a checklist. I'm going to cheat and I'm going to open up my kind of outline here so I can run yeah, go ahead, go ahead. for gain anything. <laughs> that makes but, sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, better than, you know, uh, but you know, the, the way I have, the things I have, the elements I mainly have here for the lead, right. Would be calling out the problem, promising a solution to the pain point, you know, promising to save time and money, teasing an emotional discovery story. Assuming there is one teasing the unique mechanism behind the solution. So again, teasing it, not giving it away. Mm. Uh, ideally teasing the contrarian nature of the mechanism, right? That this flies in the face of what you've been told before. Working in fascinations as an incentive for continuing with the copy. So, you know, in fact, like, uh, you know, whatever interesting fascination, and I'll explain why, you know, in five minutes from now, in a couple of moments, I'm going to sh show you why this is the case. Uh, so working in fascinations. Briefly mentioning credibility builders. That's another thing that I think is kind of crazy. I see sales letters sometimes that are pretty successful but where the, the, the narrator is just talking the entire time without ever telling you who he is or she is. And that kind of blows my mind because I'm like, why people want to kind of know who they're hearing from. Like, who are you? Like, why are you talking to me? Yeah. And it's just yeah. like the voice of God talking. Um, <laughs> that's kind of weird. Right. So I think the credibility builders, both for the person, like who that person is, who the avatar or the spokesperson, as well as then credibility builders about, you know, whatever, like if it's, uh, health and, and Harvard is based on Harvard studies or, you know, you're in the financial space and you're like, this is, you know, in fact, Ronald Reagan's former financial advisor said that this was the smartest thing you could do with your money through over the age of 55 or, you know, whatever it is, just having credibility builders in there. Um, you know, qualifiers, I think are important too, like who this works for, like, is it for everyone? Is it for a certain subset, you know, speaking to your market. And I think that's very important because, we're generally not trying to sell everything to everybody. And so I'd rather, you know, if it's weight loss, it's, an, it's just such an easy example. So I go to weight loss a lot. 
But you know, it's like, yeah, it works if you're 18 or 90, if you have 10 pounds to lose yeah. or a hundred pounds to lose. Um, you know, or there are times where again, you're calling out a specific um, group. So going back to like a Christian supplement, it's like, you know, every Christian must watch this urgent video. You know, there's an unholy war being declared against us by the atheist scientists who control modern medicine. I mean, it's very us versus them. And, um, but, but I'm also, I'm calling out my tribe or my, who, who, who I'm talking to. I'm qualifying the market. Uh, I'm briefly addressing skepticism because obviously, you know, the market sees a lot of these offers. They've seen a lot of solutions. And so, you know, it's generally being like, and even though this, this may sound hard to believe now, or even if you've been, you've tried solutions in the past and been burned or whatever it is, like I totally get it, but stick with me and I'm going to give you the proof that what I'm saying is different. And then, you know, you're generally ending the lead component with some broad testimonials, not about the product specifically, but about the solution. So rather than being like, um, you know, supplement X helped me to, you know, manage my blood sugar better. You're just saying, wow, like this solution was great. And it really helped me to have more energy and, you know, curb my erratic blood sugar, whatever it may be. And so, um, you know, that's basically my lead. The, then I'm going into the background story. So obviously just the who am I, the credibility builders, again, like more about, you know, I mentioned this briefly, let me tell you more about who I am. Uh, me or someone close to you was in pain and here's the emotional story about it. Traditional solutions aren't working. There's a trigger event, like I mentioned, that the pain point has escalated to where, you know, avatar or whoever's story is being told realizes that something must change. They search for truth and answers and, you know, ultimately either they start to find them in the unique mechanism of the problem, which we'll get to in a minute, or maybe sometimes like a wise, like sensei person appears who tells them that they're going to reveal the truth that's been hidden. So if you're doing like a guru letter and there's a guy who is struggling and he meets this guru and then the guru is now going to tell them, you know, why it is that they've been broke when he's been rich or whatever it is from there. So again, lead background story, unique mechanism of the problem, which we've talked about in a lot of detail, right? So, um, as they're looking for truth and truth and answers, they, they find out or realize that there is a real reason they've been failing and it was this. And then you're going to part four of the sales letter, which is going to be your unique mechanism of the solution, which is again, logically, now that you know the real reason you've failed, here's how you can really succeed. Uh, and again, just sort of, uh, you might start very broad and then go into more specifics of the unique mechanism of the solution. So, you know, it might be broadly, you weren't burning deep fat. Great. Now here's how you can burn deep fat. And then here are the answers. Mm -hmm. um, again, credibility, proof elements, if it's a supplement, citation, scientific sources, um, you know, social proof, whatever you need to have there. So then part five for me would be the product build up and reveal, which is, you know, now that the avatar knows the solution, um, he or she looks for an out of the box version, something that will just end their quest and solve the problem right there. But of course, out of the box solutions are flawed. So, you know, either the avatar has to do it themselves and create a new solution, or they find that one rogue person who has created the solution and they work with them to bring it to the public. And ideally, you know, even better if, it, if the avatar is creating the solution themselves, then, you know, if they, they sort of test it and they see a little bit of success, but there are problems or setbacks and they keep going and eventually they have this success and here's some proof that the product works. Um, right. Other people are asking for it and the product is born. And then in the close, I kind of include the product, uh, description in the close because I think you're starting to get to the close once you get there. So yeah. the product details, right? Like what's included, what makes it special, unique selling propositions, 
you're you know discussing dismissing other alternatives because they're expensive or side effects or poor quality or unproven uh you're including more testimonials and you're layering that in there you're telling them specifically how to use the product uh, i think that's important in the copy not an entire instruction manual but at least a couple lines so yeah. again if it's a supplement take two pills per day in the morning or if it's a you know diy aquaponics thing like basically you know you'll get five steps you'll do step one two three four five we're giving you the guide it's very easily laid out um you know whatever it is scarcity you know demands high supplies are limited out of stocks are common uh you know any kind of additional urgency about the powers that may that be you know want you to not share this um ideally like a personal mission right like that's the, the avatar's personal mission to make things better you know i told you about the sob story i don't want more people to to suffer the similar sob story and so you know this is my mission so it's not about money which is why you know even though i could charge you a bunch of money I'm going to charge you less money. Right. Um, and inherent in that too, obviously the the justification about other specifically dimensionalizing the price of other stuff. Like, you know, you could pay a thousand dollars a month for this or, you know, $500 a month for this. And even this would cost you like two fifty a month, which is, uh, whatever it is over the course of a year, can't do math, right. Over $4,000, you know, whatever, um, call to actions. What happens after you click the button? Super simple, but I see people forget that sometimes. Um, you know, if you have bonuses, revealing the bonuses, the guarantee, of course, more calls to action, typically closing it with, uh, two choices, right? You know, that you have two paths in front of you, two roads, you know, you can kind of do the path that you've been on that hasn't gotten you results. And if you do that, you know, why are you, what's going to change? Einstein said mm. the definition of insanity was, you know, making the same mistake over and over again and not learning from it. Why would you be insane? Why would you keep making that same mistake when you have the other option, the other path, which is to try this new novel solution that now you understand it works. You know in your heart that this could work. You're protected by the guarantee. You've got, you know, 60 days, 180 days, whatever it is. So if I'm full of shit, there's no risk. Like literally, why would you not try this when nothing's worked in the past? Don't you need to try something new? Um, and so that's why, you know, this makes the most sense, but you really do have to act now. This presentation's ending. The powers that be don't know want this up. You know, I don't know how long it'll be available for. I might run out of inventory. Whatever your reason is, call to action. Thank you for watching. And then your FAQs. Um, so that's the outline. Hopefully, I have a tendency to talk fast, and I'm actually intentionally trying not to talk too fast. But I'm, I'm sure I still am talking a little fast. But um, it's a, it's, it yeah. sounds good. Uh, good. It's, it's quite good, and it's a huge outline too. It's very comprehensive and and. Uh, you know, what you just went through is probably um, better than most copywriting courses that I've had because it, it kind of covers the whole thing. Uh, so you haven't left anything out, so that's that's really awesome. I appreciate that. So, yeah, and uh, just one one quick get, note on that. People, yeah, go on. Go on. I'm sorry, just real quick on that. Just one note. It's going back to this, if you look at the mechanism in the brief, right? Because again, it, in the lead, you already kind of between between the RMB part. You know what your emotional discovery is. You know what your unique mechanism is. You know what the product is. Um, you know, you know, kind of like the skepticism. You know the pain points that the market has already faced. Um, you know, you you again, you know how to shit on traditional solutions. Uh, you know, basically, so much of this stuff already that when it comes to writing, it's not just not that hard. You have to write a good lead, and yeah. there's you know, you can model off other leads. If you're a good lead writer already, awesome. The background story is very formulaic. It's, it's very predictable. And as long as you know the background story, 
you know, you can layer in from your research additional pain points and dimensionalize them and highlight them. And a huge part of the sales that are probably two to 3,000 words or 1,500 to 3,000 words is going to be the mechanism component, but you've already done all that. So you basically just drag and drop it in there. You get to the product, you've already ran out what the product is in your brief. So, you know, that part's right there. The close is extremely formulaic. You generally have the same close again and again. And so going back to how I can write super fast, um, you know, because it's so templatized, by the time it comes to write the sales letter, uh, I've already have all my work done. And then I have this modular sort of like multi-step thing. So then even my sales letter is broken down into these little pieces. And if I'm like, man, I don't want to do the lead right now, then I'm like, fuck it, I'll skip the lead. And I'll start with the background story and I'll write yeah. that. Yeah. And I have the mechanism and whatever. But I, I just feel you're in so much more control. And so that's what, why I'm able to write copy so fast is because of that. So I just want to kind of highlight again to tie it all together why um, why that's so important. Yeah, it's crucial. And uh, it's got such uh, massive benefits. You know, writing fast is just one of them. Uh, so let's get people that, uh, um, that uh, uh, outline that you mentioned. Uh, how can they get their hands on that? Yeah, for sure. If you go to copy and funnel accelerator, so and A-N-D, copy and funnel accelerator.com, forward slash geniuses of copywriting. There's gonna be a little, like a little squeeze page opt-in, put your name and your email address in, and then you'll have access to the outline. And you also get uh, access to the video recording of my mastermind talk at Traffic and Conversion with Justin, where I talk about this stuff as well, uh, you know, and probably more detail today than there, but there are a lot of other interesting kind of things that come up, including some stuff on Facebook compliance, uh, you know, how we're selling blood sugar on Facebook without, massive yeah. headaches um and some yeah. other things too so super valuable yeah. there's no no uh i don't have an email sequence set up you're not going to get a kid on it uh yeah. you know my, my hope is there is a video about my copy accelerator program i'm doing with justin which uh you know where, where i'm teaching copy like uh every single week like I'm, I'm not not to give a pitch on it but to explain what it is right yeah, um, yeah basically there's like a weekly zoom call so i'm walking people through the rmbc method in detail we're dissecting, critiquing copy, both mine and other people's. Justin's talking about upsells, backend kind of optimization, things like that, mostly from a copy perspective. And there's like a Facebook group where people are, you know, asking questions. It's very active. And then there's a platinum level and a gold level. Platinum people can actually bring copy to the call and get feedback. That's uh, at its cap right now. We set it at 20 people and, and, and we hit that. And we've got about 50 people in the program. So anyway, there is a video once you opt in to get the outline and watch my mastermind talk, yeah, um, because yeah. obviously I think it's an incredible value and an awesome program. So I won't be able to hear about it, but that there's not even, in, you won't get like, as of now, a bunch of emails yeah, or yeah. responders or anything like yeah, that. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was going to ask, there's, there's still spots available in, in the lower tier, not, not the top one, but the lower one. Yeah, exactly for gold. And, and that's sort of the way we designed it to be honest is, is, you know, gold, from our, our perspective is a more scalable side because it doesn't have that feedback um, portion. Yeah, yeah. But it's still really valuable. The gold group is is, is loving it because, yeah, sure. you know, you've got me and Justin talking copy, again, teaching, training. And then the Facebook group, people are bringing a lot of cool stuff. And um, and not only that, we have a ton of really good marketers. I mean, like, you know, Agora, a bunch of Agora guys are in it, uh, Natural Health Sherpa, um, Healthy Back. You've got Dan Locke's teams in it. Like, um just a, a ton, ton of guys. Uh, Alan Baylor for Patriots is in Alan Baylor, but for Patriots is in it. And so the point is, um, Alvin Huang from True Genics, I can keep going, but because of that, uh, it's a really cool group. So people are asking questions about both copy, but even some of their funnel stuff. And you've got this like all-star list of experts who are responding to, to uh, comments and questions in the Facebook group. And that's all included in the goal. There's two live events per year. So 
gold is still extremely valuable uh, and yeah, and, and frankly, very yeah. cost effective too. I mean, it's like less than $2,000 a month for, for gold. And uh, when you look at it that way, mm. it's, it's pretty crazy, you know, value. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I highly recommend that the listeners uh, get along and, and check that out because uh, if you want to take your copy to the next level, I think that's a place you can really do it. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, but at least go and get that, uh, go and get that uh, um, uh, sales letter outline because that's really valuable. It doesn't cost yeah. anything. And I'll chuck a link uh, on the page um, uh, uh, when I put this uh, episode up on the site. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, it was uh, copyandfunnels.com. Copy uh, and funnel. It? It's actually copy. And, it's a long domain for now, but copyandfunnelaccelerator.com. All right. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. And then forward slash geniuses of copywriting. Yeah, yeah. We should probably find a, a bit.ly link for that or something. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Yeah. We're actually, we're changing yeah. it, the name of it actually to, to Copy Accelerator just because we realized that that's what oh, yeah. most people were the most interested in. However, somebody took copyaccelerator.com. So we got, oh, we're trying to, trying to buy that domain. I, if you I, own it and you're listening, first of all, F you, but second of all, you know, hit me up and we can talk price or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but for now, it's copyandfunnelaccelerator.com forward slash genes of copywriting. Yeah, I'll put a, I'll put a uh, link on the page. Uh, go to that uh, URL if you're listening on iTunes. And I strongly suggest that you do what, what uh, Stefan just laid out was sort of an amazing plan, but uh, what's going to be even more valuable is, uh, is to watch that video and get the, get the uh, PDF for yourself with the, the outline. Um, that's a whole copywriting course in itself, and, and it will be really a good idea if you join the Copy Accelerator uh, program as well, Copy and Funnel Accelerator program. Um, uh, while there's still spots available because uh, yes. um, they'll fill up soon, I'm sure. But uh, um, yeah, I'd like to really thank you for sharing all of that. Um, yeah. You know, it, it went a bit longer than, than some of our episodes do, but it was totally worth it. Um, it was, uh, you know, I keep, I keep saying it's a, it was a copywriting course in itself, but you could take what, uh, what you've shared here and, and run with that. Um, your job would be a lot easier if you go and get the outline and, and join the program as well. But, and what you shared here has been really valuable. So I'd lo- really like to thank you for uh, sharing all of that with us and sharing your valuable time. Uh, it uh, is appreciated and we'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure and really appreciate you having me yeah. on. And, and I can definitely be a little bit long-winded, but um, hopefully people who, who listen or watch can take this. I really yeah. believe that a process is just, it's so important. It's like trying to, swim upstream versus swimming downstream, you know, yeah, it's, it's night yeah, and day. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for that, Stefan. I appreciate you coming on. You are a true genius of copywriting. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank All you. Right. Thank you for listening to Geniuses of Copywriting with Brian Casagina. To get the full transcript and all the resources mentioned on today's show, go to www.geniusesofcopywriting.com now.